Good evening, you horniest of statuary. My name is Trevor. My name is Rachel. And this is the Smutcast, where we review, critique, and endure all of the wonders that the Amazon self-published erotica scene has to offer. From a LGBT and feminist perspective, sometimes just from... An exasperated perspective. Yeah, just an end-of-our-rope perspective. Yeah. How are you doing, Rachel? I'm doing great. How are you, Trevor? I'm I'm making it. I'm making it in this wild and crazy world, I guess. For I mean, I guess it kind of your mileage may vary on that, but yeah, I feel you. But, you know, I'm here. I'm ready to talk about um our our work this week. Hey guys, remember that time last week where we had a really good quality story that Trevor and I were super stoked about and very earnestly enjoyed? Well, we're back to our regularly scheduled programming. <laughs> we are. So, um, Rachel and I were sitting and we were playing our uh, our weekly D&D game yesterday. Um, and I don't remember ex- what the exact quote was, but something it was something along the lines of someone said, uh, why, why do people just want to fuck monsters? And... I made the joke that that is basically just what we're doing here at the Smutcast. Like, why do people want to fuck monsters, I wonder? Well, uh, we're trying to crack that code, and I don't think we're any closer to finding the answer. I, I do not but... think that we are, no. Um, so, this week we bring, we're bringing you another... It's another monster sex story, because... Uh, um, it's not just one story, excuse me, Trevor. <laughs> this is... Um, the Seductive Creatures of Stone, a Gargoyle Erotica Story Bundle. Oh, yeah. It, it is it's a, a bundle. It's, it's a, it sure is. It's a bundle of something. It's a bundle. Yeah. Um, but this also does mark a special occasion. It's the first time we've ever came back to an author. I don't know if you were aware of that, but Christy Sims. That sounded familiar. Uh, brought us the Doing the Dragon trilogy. <gasps> Didn't Alara Bronwyn or Branwyn also play a, a role in one of our stories at some point? You might be right, but I didn't remember. I immediately remembered Christy Sims. I didn't remember Alara Branwyn. Um, if if that is the case, I will make sure that we cover it in our correction corner next episode. Because uh, <laughs> that's the thing. That <laughs> yeah, it certainly exists, that correction <laughs> corner. Um, but yeah, so we're going to return back into Christy Sims' uh, wonderful monster fucking world. There are three <laughs> stories in this collection, and there's no indication of who wrote what. But as Rachel said, um, we have two authors for three stories. Um, either they, I can't, I honestly can't tell. The writing style is is pretty kind of samey throughout, so I didn't notice like an immediate shift between. See, I disagree because I think that this is like a. A shit sandwich wherein the shit is the bread and the innards of the sandwich, aka the middle story. Oh no no no! Pretty no. palatable. Yes yes. So no uh, no 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 spoilers. So I wanna I wanna do this part. So I'm going to give like a two sentence description of each story, and then I want you to to say your favorite um, and your middle and your least favorite. Okay. Um, so we've got our first story, which is called Comfort of the Gargoyles. Comfort, yeah, comfort of gargoyles, not the gargoyles, just comfort of gargoyles. Just any gargoyles. Like a murder of crows. Any port in the storm. Um, or a grundle of pugs. Um, Isn't grundle a, a synonym for, like, the taint area? That, oh, there's I'm a... I'm 90% cer- certain that that's But it's de- it's definitely what a group of pugs is called. Okay, that, then that's the reality I choose to live <laughs> in, not the, not, the, not the taint reality. Uh, and then we have, okay, so Comfort of Gargoyles, um, a woman is, and I'm going to try not to editorialize in my descriptions, because <laughs> a woman has recently gone through a breakup. While grieving, she realizes that her imaginary friends from childhood were real and that she can summon them and then have sex with them. And they're, gar- they're gargoyles. Spoilers. Oh, no. It turns out they're gargoyles. Um, and they kind of look like the gargoyles from Disney's popular children's television program, Gargoyles. They do. We, we will come back to that. Um, that whole topic, because I have things to say about it. <laughs> Same. Um, then we have Sins of the Flesh, 
wherein a um, pious young nun is struggling with her faith and the temptations of the flesh um, when a statue comes alive that may have a solution to her problems. And then the secret in the Abbey Tower, wherein another young woman living in a monastery, this time I think it's pretty heavily implied that she's living in a monastery in, like, like medieval-ish, yeah, medieval-adjacent times. Yeah, this for sure. Um, she's living in a monastery, and she's uh, responsible for ringing the bell in the tower, and whenever she rings the bell in the tower, the gargoyles adorning it come to life and have sex with her. Um, so I, I want to know uh, just a real quick breakdown, like favorite, middle, least favorite from you. Okay. Uh, favorite, Sins of the Flesh. Followed very, very, very closely, actually, by The Secret. Well, not that closely, let's be real. Uh, followed by The Secret in the Abbey Tower and coming way behind, limping at dead last, Comfort of Gargoyles. You know, um, this is why we're friends, because I absolutely 100% agree with you. <laughs> yes. uh, this, was, this was my exact writing. And honestly, after reading Comfort of Gargoyles, I was like, oh no, <laughs> I have 40 pages left. <laughs> I have to keep reading this. <laughs> I know. Um, and then Sins of the Flesh, like, I, I, I liked it. I thought it was okay. We'll we'll, we'll kind of go through them each in order now. Yeah, but we're I have dive in. I have a lot to say about Sins of the Flesh and ways that I feel like it didn't quite live up to itself. I have a lot to say about Sins of the Flesh in terms of uh, morality and okay, I, like not not to get into it too quickly, but my alternate title for it is Demon of Masturbation Shaming. Yeah. And we'll get back to it. But let's <laughs> let's let's go to the old slimy dead last anti favorite first. Yeah. So Comforter Gargoyles, again, I don't know which of our, our authors penned this particular one. <laughs> I wanna know who to blame for this. <laughs> yeah. Um it it starts with our heroine going through like the most like stereotypical breakup that anyone has ever gone through. I had a fucking bingo card for this, and guess what? I won three times. Um, she's eating Cherry Garcia ice cream. She's drinking wine. She's drinking wine. She's, she's talking to her phone. bitchy best friend. He, her boyfriend cheated on her. Her boyfriend wrecked her car. Her boyfriend killed her cat. Her boyfriend was like the biggest nightmare person. She reminisces about all of the other ex-boyfriends that she's had. One of them being gay. One of them uh, being like a financial scammer. Like, this is like the stupidest woman in the world going through the most like stereotypical breakup in the world. Um, and then she goes and she's just like crying in a room and she decides she needs to rub one out. Can I also add that she says uh, she calls herself at age 27 over the hill and used up? Yeah. Uh, who was this story written for? Like, what 15 year old is reading this story? Like, God, 27 and still single? Like, I mean, I'm what a, 27. What a fucking spinster. And I feel pretty tired and used up, but that's because <laughs> of my hard living lifestyle. I feel psychologically tired and used up, yeah. but my body is in its prime. Oh, if only. Um, and yeah, so she decides that she needs to rub one out. She needs to Christerbate. Um, <laughs> and. She just randomly, while masturbating, says some, like, ancient Gaelic phrase that her grandmother taught her. Can I read the, the passage? Yes, please. And before I do that, another thing that bothered me is... And, and you can mark this off on your sad, like, Kathy comic spinster bingo, where she calls <laughs> her, uh, her vibrator Bob, battery-operated boyfriend. I'm... Almost certain that I saw that in a stand-up comedy routine in 1991. Was it by, like, Lisa Lampanelli or something? Yes! It, God! I, I hate I, her! I'm mostly... I was one in 1991. But, like, that's the <laughs> the, the caliber that we're dealing with It was right an early now. influence. A yeah. formative experience. <laughs> Every night I wake up screaming to the thought of Lisa Lampanelli. She's a recurring <laughs> nightmare so in my life. Oh, God. I, I, I don't want to think about Lisa Lampanelli anymore. Um, so this, <laughs> no more. So this, the, our heroine, Brie, as she is, uh, Baton, says, I was in a desperate way and the vibrations were doing wonders to my body. 
Do you want to read this Gaelic? Because I don't want to try it. <laughs> Why? Cabru Liam. Le du soil cabru Liam Anois. Anois? Such a beautiful language. <laughs> I know. I'm really doing it justice. fucking butchering. <laughs> I was so close so quickly that I whispered those long forgotten words out of frustration. My grandmother had taught me the saying. She was adamant that I know the Gaelic words and had instructed me to use them when I was in great need. Because... Boy, oh boy, was I in great need tonight. God. Yeah, because when I'm, uh, you know, having Trevor special private time, <laughs> the first thing I think about is like, are there any like Gaelic catchphrases that an elderly relative taught me yeah, the first that I can <laughs> shout in the throes of passion? What was that thing that my grandma used to say to me? Yeah. Oh, oh what, was, what was the thing that my grandma used to say to me? Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, uh, no. like, so she's like, just shouts this catchphrase. And then suddenly gargoyles. Suddenly gargoyles. Ancient Gaelic guardian gargoyles that have been in her family for a long time. Named Adam and, and Clint. Clint. <laughs> um, and they're just like... Oh. And they're wearing jeans. Really <laughs> tight, packaged, cradling <laughs> jeans. So they're like basically like described as looking like Goliath. From uh, the Gargoyles cartoon. Well, I think Goli- even Goliath wore a loincloth. Like, oh, he yeah, wasn't I mean, wearing, like, Wranglers. No, he, he definitely wears, like, this, like, leather loincloth. Um, and then, basically, smaller, redder Goliath. Yeah. She does very little to really differentiate them. Or a smaller turquoise Goliath. Yeah. Um, I think Adam was turquoise. Oh, yeah. no, nope, nope, Adam is... Adam's red. Oh, Clint, really? Clint is turquoise. Okay, so... Because uh, this really matters. This is super <laughs> Adam looks like uh, Hellboy with wings. Then, sure, yeah. Um, side note: I, I just want to like divert really quickly. Did you ever watch the Gargoyles cartoon? I did. Yes. It was fucking great. It, it was, was wonderful. It was super dark, super engaging. And now, as an adult, I realize how fucking hot Goliath is. <laughs> like that boy's got a voice on him. That boy. It's um, uh, it's Keith David. Yes. What a man! What a mighty good man. Um. But uh, yeah. So and Lavar Burton too. Cole Meany, that dude from Hell on Wheels. This is a star-studded cast. My God. Wow, I didn't even know some of that. Uh, I need to rewatch that show. Same. Um. But yeah, so these two gargoyles, <laughs> these two jean-bedecked gargoyles, appear in her room and are like. You summoned us. We always come when you're in need. Um, and then they kind of like imply that they've been doing that for her, with her family for like generations. So it's like, are you fucking the same dudes your grandma did? Like, <laughs> that's some weird double dipping. Are I, you Eskimo sisters with your gram gram? <laughs> your Gma? <laughs> Gma? Why? Your Gigi? <laughs> don't be Eskimo sisters with your Gigi. <laughs> Please um, don't. If you do nothing else in this life. Oh, and all, but but not she's defo not with her mom because her mom, the author goes out of her way to establish across like three paragraphs that her mom is like the most heinous bitch. Yeah. Like, and even the gargoyles think that the mom was a heinous bitch. And, and they wouldn't answer her call, so... Her black heart prevented us from being summoned. And I'm like, um... Why is this, why is this in the story? So I'm just imagining this mom, like this bitchy mom with like blue balls trying to summon these sex gargoyles and she's just too much of an asshole and they just don't want to... I want to read that story more than I want to read this one. About this woman having gargoyle sex withheld from her by being rude? Yes. Okay, yeah. But, like, you just get the sense that the author, like, has problems with their own mother because, Mm -hmm. like, taking so much time to establish what a monster her mom is does nothing for the story. Like, yeah. it contributes nothing. It reveals nothing. It's just in there to, like, satisfy some craving that the author had. Just one last fuck you to mom. Either that, or it's part of, like, the sort of, like, Kathy comic tableau that we're dealing with. <laughs> like, like it, it has to be all rom-com all the time up until the gargoyle sex. Like, is that a rom-com thing where, like, the heroine doesn't get along with her overly critical mom? Yeah. Like... It's a very Katherine Heigl movie. And I just... I just don't understand... Because it feels intentional. I want to give the author 
like some credit here and and assume that that's what they're going for is that sort of like tab tableau of of these very well-worn tropes because otherwise i mean it's just the more charitable reading and, and and i feel like we're we're often not as charitable to the authors as we probably should be i don't feel especially charitable towards this story in particular <laughs> like i have a really hard time believing that the author was doing like a wink wink nudge nudge look at these cliches but assuming that she was surely there was a better way to incorporate the gargoyles into it so something we did um we've been doing for a few episodes now and i'd like to continue that trend is i'd like to think what is the appeal here like what does someone who goes out of their way to buy a gargoyle erotica, not for podcasting purposes. Um, <laughs> what what do they want out of a story like that? Because um, it gargoyle seems like a weird choice, especially considering their the gargoyleness of these characters only really plays a factor in one of the stories. I think it does in every story but this one, actually. Like. I think the other two stories play into what I think is the appeal of like having this otherworldly sort of maybe well I guess two of the stories don't have sort of like a a fear element to them but this one seemed like the purpose of this story was for this character to feel like cherished and taken care of like it didn't need to be by gargoyles like there's no reason for these gargoyles to be gargoyles like adam and clint could just be dudes or they could be like some weird imaginary like they could just be an imaginary uh, my imaginary friend fucked me story <laughs> you um, know that old chestnut i think it is a genre i'm Probably. pretty sure it is um, i'm sure it's something that's doable but but even the mythology makes no sense to me at all like, yeah are, are gargoyles like a like some kind of Gaelic lore? Are they? They're, they're guardian spirits, but they guard places. Like, like I really... And we'll get into it in the other stories, but the way that the gargoyles were utilized there was at least, like, way more in keeping with what I would feel like is the point. Like, blending of, like, religious iconography and sort of, like, pagan spiritualism. Because mm-hmm. um, that's what a gargoyle kind of is. Like, they right. appear on a lot of of judeo-christian structures like they're right. a common thing but they're not they're not they're, they're not in the bible you don't see gargoyles in the bible someone can fact check me on that <laughs> um and i could be very wrong but i'm pretty sure it's kind of like a holdover from paganism like various kinds of paganism right um and maybe i shouldn't be talking out my ass about the uh the cultural history of gargoyleness, but it doesn't seem like a judeo-christian thing right like this guardian spirit that watches over and and keeps foul energies away, like right. Yeah, I don't think I really remember that from my my youth uh, dippings into Bible school and stuff. But yeah, I mean, I've been a godless, demons were a thing. I've been a godless heathen my my entire life, so I really don't have the background to to speak. Uh, authoritatively about it but it certainly it certainly seems far more um sort of spiritualist than what i usually associate with judeo-christian mythology yeah um and i and i've always found that that dichotomy interesting gargoyles always seemed like they were a little out of place um because i mean it's an idolatry right like a gargoyle is ultimately an idol it's a it's an inanimate object that you put faith into to have an effect. I don't even know as much as as you about gargoyle mythology clearly because I did not know that was even a thing. Yeah, I mean they're they're supposedly like guardian spirits. Mm-hmm. They keep bad shit away, but that certainly seems like idolatry to me. Yeah, I agree. I think that maybe, and this is again just guessing that like Christian Christian traditions took like, the image of the gargoyle and sort of applied it to whatever they would consider, like, a demon? Yeah. Um, I I think that you really touched on um, what the, the central appeal here is supposed to be for, I think, all... 
at least for this story, is like the gargoyle as protector. Like she wants to feel comforted, she wanted, wants to feel cherished. But the way that that mythology is integrated into the story, it just, it, I mean, it isn't. There's no, no integration between like what a gargoyle is on like a mythical level and what their purpose in the story is supposed to be, especially compared to the next two stories that we're going to to talk about. Um, so yeah, and, and and it goes without saying, like, oh, they fuck. And then also it's, the gargoyles, the next morning, have she wakes to find that they have cleaned her apartment and made her croissants. Yeah, it's... It's like the... It's just a lazy, boring... Um, wish fulfillment story that has gargoyles clumsily crafted onto it. And also there is anal penetration with no prep. Again, how many times do we have to read this? Yeah, um, I really don't have much more to say about this story just because there's not anything here. Like it's, it is just, it's every cliche erotica story, but it's got gargoyles crafted (laughs) onto it. Yep. Um, and, and, and it does go out of its way, seemingly. And again, that's why I want to give a charitable reading to it, is that it hits so many cliches. Yeah. Like, like you don't... Either... When you create the image of two fucking gargoyles, like, daintily baking croissants in the morning, <laughs> either you're making a goof, like a kind of winking goof, mm-hmm. or you have stunning lack of self-awareness. And I wonder which of those is at play here. Um, I'm I'm gonna try to believe that uh, that whoever was responsible for this particular one, you know, maybe column A, column B. Yeah, sure. Um, so that brings us to um, Sins of the Flesh, which we both we both liked. I think um, it was very well written. Yeah, uh, you want to go into your reasons for liking it, and I'll kind of chime in with mine. As you go or towards the end? Um, I like, I just, I mean, I like the prose of it. I think that it's, was pretty competent, especially coming out of uh, Comfort of Gargoyles. And I, I liked all the little detail, like the very Catholic tradition-centric details, just having been brought up in Catholicism, I kind of appreciated that. And the sort of the care that went into, I guess, researching the different elements and descriptions and were very evocative and I just was impressed by that and I think that this story really does achieve what what I imagine somebody is looking for in a gargoyle story like that it really is somebody being like taken by a monster mm-hmm. and I, I can't pretend to know what people who who buy gargoyle stories for their actual enjoyment are looking for but that's what I venture to guess is like the primal desire. Yeah, this one. Um, so many monster stories that we that we read are so defanged. Like, there's no horror element to them. Mm-hmm. When really, there should be. I I mean, maybe it's just to me and my uh, and my dude privilege showing, but I think it's sexier when there's like legitimate kind of feelings of of tension and suspense um, that then boil over into sexuality. Um, If they're, if they just like pop out like, Oh, hi, we're Adam and Quinn. How's it going? (laughs) Hey guys. How are you doing? How's your pussy? Um, (laughs) Then like, who the, like, again, they're just dudes who look weird. Who cares? They're just dudes who are turquoise for no reason. Like they're, but when it's, this is basic, like, this is basically a horror story. This is a stone gargoyle. Like, it is... It, it doesn't metamorphose into something with, like, heated, like, fleshy flesh. It is a, just a gargoyle fucking a lady. Yeah, and, and it's it's menacing until the point where it's not. Like, it's... I think it, it's kind of menacing throughout. <laughs> like, it's sexy menacing in a point, but it's... It's always kind of dangerous. The story, this would be, like, a really compelling horror story if you took out the, um, if you changed the ending and you took out, like, the explicit, like, uh, fappy sexuality. (laughs) Um, because it, it does what I think all good horror stories do, and it really 
ties in it what its themes are, and its themes are sexual repression and and sexual shame. Mm-hmm. Uh, the character is a nun. She's like super conflicted over like the fact that she's taken her vows and the fact that she's feeling these feelings that make her question those, and she starts. Um, compulsively masturbating as a way to deal with those feelings and then feels even worse about it and she's just like and it builds up very slowly too like she you really get a great characterization of her as this really dutiful like focused young nun who is like is not is unbothered by or unmoved by the fact that they're like young uh, monks who have moved in like, she, she's not sexually aroused by them. Like, she's annoyed by them. Yeah. Like, these, some, yeah, some monks come in. There's this whole thing of how they have to share space with the monks, with the monastery. And she, like, she's such a model nun that the mother superior, who everybody thinks is, like, this pinch-faced, like, disapproving woman, like, sort of admires her. So she's, she really is, like, the top-tier nun. And then... Yeah, like Trevor said, starts starts feeling feelings that she can't place, tweaking on her nips in the night. <laughs> but like honestly, I could see uh, the prose was strong enough that I could definitely see um, sort of a transposal of the same plot onto sort of like a like European black and white horror movie, mm-hmm. um, like this like very sparse environment. This nun. Um, very, like, caught up in her own, like, shame and desire. Honestly, uh, I wanted to kind of bring it around to a movie that I did see recently, and and I'm gonna go into spoiler territory, if that's cool with everyone. Um, did you see The Witch? Yes, I love The Witch. So, um, the very ending of that movie, and again, spoilers for The Witch, um... If uh, I'll uh, make a note in the description of this episode it, where the spoiler talk happens, so everyone the movie's been out for out. about two years now. So. Um, and honestly, the plot isn't why you watch it anyway. But so at the very end, the um, young daughter um, walks naked into into the into the woods um, where she like joins with this coven, and she has like this like fate of like rapture. Um, as she did. And we, the audience, like, recognize that what's happening is horrifying, but the character it has, like, found kind of what she wanted in the end. Um, she's found her freedom. She's found her um, ability to to express and break free of her, like, puritanical bonds. Mm-hmm. And I was hoping that this epi- that this specific story would end in a similar fashion, like, Oh, the like the gargoyle um, was really a demon, and she gets dragged into hell. But she's happy because she's, she's like no longer repressed. And she she ashamed of she can body. she can uh, be the sexual being that she wanted to be, uh, and that would be a really effective little horror story. Um, and it does not end that way. It does not end that way. It ends in, a, and I think a bit of a cop out where she's like, "I got that gargoyle D. I guess I'm better." Um, and the mother spear is like hanging out in the fucking pews and she's like, I got that gargoyle D too. <laughs> it was great. Like, <laughs> and one has to wonder how long she's been sitting in that pew too. <laughs> With a fucking bag of popcorn. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the pros were just super strong. The themes were compelling. Like, I love it when a story that we read on this, on this podcast has themes. I know. Like, God, it's themes. so. Who knew? Cause it's. Again, it feeds into what you kind of want from a monster erotica. Like, there should be a sense of tension and drama and weight to what's happening. When she first sees this gargoyle move, she's, like, horrified and terrified, um, as one would expect her to be. But then she she does notice it's, uh... Wang. Yeah. So that's that's one thing I wanted to touch on real quick. Both this story and the next story explicitly state that even when they're not like ambulatory, that these gargoyles were like carved with like big old dongs. And I haven't seen that. I'm gonna call bullshit on that um being something that one would find in real life in, in a Catholic church yeah. setting i haven't been but... in a lot of churches and i haven't seen a lot of gargoyles but the few that i had did not have big old swanging dicks like... <laughs> no. 
This is fantasy, Trevor. We're living in a world of fantasy here. I just feel like the uh, Mother Superior would not like be super approving of that in most real-world circumstances. Uh, I'm choosing to believe, though, that the dick uh, sort of appeared as the gargoyle was uh, taking a moving form. In, in, that, in this story, I think that it's left ambiguous. In the next one, it's definitely stated outright because there's still stones and she's like, I reached down and I, tw- and I, and I squeezed at his cock for good luck. Like <laughs> The next story does feel like more of a pagan-leaning uh, story as far as like the society that the characters live in. But We'll get to that in a second. Do you have anything else that you want to talk about with um, Sins of the Flesh? Um, so I, I was, I'm with you. I was disappointed, uh, or maybe not disappointed, I guess, just kind of frustrated by the fact that this, uh, demon or this gargoyle appeared so that it could cure sister Veronica of her, her desire to masturbate, which I guess like, like let a bitch rub one out. Come on. But and I don't understand really how being penetrated by by a penis, be it gargoyle or not, is somehow like making her more pure in the Christian. Oh yeah, no, this repressive sense. The, 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 that the story is all bullshit all the way down on that front, which is why I think that the the downer ending would have been more appropriate because, like, that's. Again, I I know so little about just Judeo-Christian anything, but I know for a fact that it's not, it's it's the pleasure that is bad. Yeah, it doesn't matter where it comes from. Like the the whole puritanical idea is that if it feels good, it's bad for your soul. Yep. Um, and the demon does say, "I am not a man." And the demon, it's actually a gargoyle. I am not a man. I will satisfy your lusts and leave you pure. Like, are, are you, like, the idea of purity is bullshit, again, all the way down, but, like, are you really pure, though, if you've, if you've gotten fucked on a, a, a holy altar by a gargoyle? Really? Yeah, no, the, 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 that's, I think, a big part of why the story feels, like, pretty unsatisfying at the end, is because it's just, like, a, a, f- a very pornified, um, loose, flimsy justification for the or loose flimsy um melding of of the judeo-christian belief structure into this fucking porn story like it doesn't make any sense it's kind of stupid like it is but i'll kind of allow it just because the story is so well written and the build-up is is really successful yeah like i said i i genuinely liked this story um, it definitely turned me around on this bundle as a whole after the first one. Same. And I will say that I was, th- there's sort of a, like a pleasant surprise and seeing like, whoa, Mother Superior is here and knew this was going to happen the entire time. And not only that, but has herself experienced the wonders of Gargoyle Dick. So it was just like an, oh, that that was unexpected sort of thing. I don't yeah. know if you saw that coming. I, I did I, not really, but... I certainly didn't. Um, again, there's all sorts of ways that I think that that could have been a more interesting uh, horror ending, but yeah. that wasn't the story that the author wanted to write, and you know what? Fair enough. Um, I, I I think I've made my criticisms of the direction that they did take pretty, pretty clear, but I think that they, they are a talented prose writer, and... If I, I'm going to assume that that one was, um, was Alara. You think? Alara Branwen. Is that her name? Yeah, that is her name. Um, I'm going to... just get the sense that Christie's <sighs> fucking around with Kathy tropes a little too much. I mean, in doing the dragon, the lady's like, I don't want to fuck a dragon, but I'll give you this nice dress. All right, I guess I'll fuck a dragon. Like... <laughs> true, true. You've got a pretty good memory for that one. I think I blocked it out. <laughs> so the last one is the, uh, what was it? The, the secret, secret in the Abbey Tower. There you go. Which started out pretty strong, I thought. The The writing style is slightly less impressive. We have a very non-traditional um, protagonist for an erotica story, I felt like. It's pretty rare that a... Uh, an erotica heroine is allowed to be sort of like 
unabashedly strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's like explicitly athletic and sort of boyish. Like she's got short hair, which mind blown in, in erotica. It's usually like her tumbling tresses of strawberry blonde. <laughs> and she's like her whole purpose in the story is to like take over the job of like a dude who 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 was performing a job that the other like nuns in the story just aren't physically able to do. Yeah. Like she's, she's the only one strong enough to ring the bell in the bell tower. Yeah. Um, which she does every lunar cycle, which is um, weird, but I guess move on. I don't, I don't, I don't know a lot about, um, you know, European bell towers from 400 years ago. So <laughs> I guess I'm not really one to critique. Yeah. And I know nothing about like pagan yearly calendars or anything like that. But I do think that the that this was well fleshed out from the, the beginning. Just this uh, heroine, I guess her name is Danny. Yeah, she is left on the doorstep of this uh, this pagan abbey in what I, what we're assuming is medieval times, and uh, is raised within the abbey and is given an uncommon amount of education because all of the sisters there each want to teach her their own passion and. I did like that each of the of the nuns has a specific area of passion and expertise. I think mm. that uh, if if there was a Bechtel test to apply to this story, yeah, I mean the yes. it 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 has. I mean, they never appear directly in the story, but there are a bunch of female characters who are acknowledged who are interested in things other than like being catty or talking about dicks, right. Um, which I guess is kind of necessary if you're going to make a nun story, but... True. Um, you know these authors would find a way to make it about men, though. Oh, for sure. Um, and I guess if we can't pat the story on the back too much, because it defo ends in a gargoyle gangbang, but... Um, <laughs> True. But there are moments where, like, the nuns are described as, it seems like, being the the people that the people in the... Uh, surrounding village kind of go to for for guidance on certain things like she talks about sister bernadette who is in charge of all the animals and was consulted by farmers on how to care for their own animals and i would absolutely read a longer form version of this story i think um something that i really liked about this story that i just kind of started thinking about as we move further um into our smut journey is that so much obsession is placed on first times Mm -hmm. like probably 80 to 90 percent of the stories that we've done on here are about like someone hooking up with someone for the very first time right and this story our character has been around and she knows what she's going to go do and she knows what she wants from it uh this is not her first time at this rodeo and i actually kind of appreciated that i think it's underutilized how sexy um two people who like know each other well and can work with their work with each other's bodies well or in this case five people five people's um, bodies. yeah that's true i hadn't even considered that because like not only is this not a story about somebody losing their virginity because that's always been a big like ongoing trope that we deal with but also it's not like, these characters are not fucking each other for the first time like you said and I think that the um, this story might be the one that most fulfills what I would think someone would want from a gargoyle story because gargoyles have like a protective connotation, mm-hmm. um, and this is the only story wherein I feel like they are allowed to be like inherently like mystical mm-hmm. in a way that the first story definitely is not, but also like they're protective spirits, they're they're kind of devoted spirits. They yeah. they want to make her feel good and um and and protect her and 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 serve her and there's an explicit line drawn between their innate nature as gargoyles and an inclination towards sexual submission right. so i feel like this story kind of is the most in line with what i feel you would want from a prototypical gargoyle story if such a thing exists. And this story also kind of continues the this theme of our last episode about topping from the bottom because she, uh, Danny, is in control of this encounter and at the beginning of the 
of the gangbang scene, the gargoyles explicitly ask her what she wants, like what kind of sex does she want? And she says she wants to, to be used. And so she is taken pretty vigorously by, by many dongs, but it's, it's something that she has commanded be done. So like they are. And only two of them actually go to completion. The other ones are just like, don't get to next time, dude. It wasn't your night. I'm in charge here. I also like that their names are Red, Stone, Talon, and Mark. <laughs> My favorite part was that Red is not Red. <laughs> I know. Like, you like turquoise. Yeah. <laughs> Good job naming them, uh, Danny. Is it established that, yeah, she, it's definitely established that she named them. Mm-hmm, yeah. Were they, were they fucking the old groundskeeper that used to do this? <laughs> yeah, the man who used to ring the bell? Maybe so. Maybe they're bisexual gargoyles. I want to read a bisexual gargoyle story. If it's written like this one. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't think that this one is was as strong as Sins of the Flesh. There's no... Um, there's no themes that really run through it. It's just sort of, oh, she's responsible for ringing this bell. When she rings the bell, the gargoyles come to life. When the gargoyles come to life, they fuck her, and that's nice. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. nice. It's just nice and enjoyable for everyone involved. Um, but there's not a tremendous sense of atmosphere... There's not much in the way of tension. No, and um, I, I, did, I was pulled out a little bit of the uh, of the sexiness of the story by the gargoyles being referred to repeatedly as boys. She's like the boys at my breasts, like five times. I mean, I have been ruined by the McElroys. Like, I, know. I, I use boy to refer to literally everything now. Me too. I preparing for D anD D last night. I was moving our sort of. Um, wheeled record player out of the way and that candle wax holder was on top of it and i knocked it over and it shattered into a million pieces and i was like my boy <laughs> no but yeah that's exactly what i thought of too is like i'm reading like my brother my brother and me written fan fiction if anyone has that and wants to submit it to us we will do an entire episode about it ew i don't, I don't want my my sweet boys sullied in that way i don't either but you know we'd have to do it we wouldn't have a choice. This is our lot in life. This is true. We've taken on this uh, this mantle. <laughs> but I do want to read my my favorite line of the story. Once he was deep inside, I relaxed completely, surrendering myself to the feeling of being stuffed by my two favorite boys. <laughs> oh, good boys. There's real good boys. What, what good, good stone boys? <laughs> Um, I was trapped between the boys, swaying in the movement of their bodies against mine. <laughs> God, she says boys a lot. Yeah, I mean, the prose is not as strong in this story. It's nowhere near as bad as the first one, but it's not as strong as the second one. Right. Um, it's it's okay. It's, it's serviceable. It's thoroughly serviceable. There's a lot of talk of loads, too, <laughs> which I'm not really fond of. I just... It's so... Unattra- it's so unsexy. Like, yeah. just the the word is just kind of unsexy. Loads. Loads. I'm dropping loads. Sounds like pooping. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, it, yeah, no, that's the, the pros. And especially for the only period of story... It's definitely doesn't, it's not written in any way, shape, or form to be, like, period compliant. Right. Not, not in speech, not in internal monologue, not in description. It does its best. It does its best. And it does fine. Um, for the second story and this one, I think that the the $2 that I paid for this, this was worth it. All right, I agree. Um... I who paid zero dollars agree that your two dollars were well spent. But if you want gargoyle stories, um, these these two are are worth your time. You can do I worse. Think. Let's just skip the first one. Um, do you have anything else that you want to kind of go over with this this trilogy? Mm. There's nothing that really comes to mind. Uh, I I was satisfied by how weird. The second two stories were, and I don't know. No, that was it. Was a wild ride. Uh, my expectations were kind of jostled throughout because the because of the range of quality in these stories. Mm-hmm. But I, 
look forward to tackling more weird monster erotica because I think it has the potential for surprising us a yeah. lot more than some of the other things that we deal with. I mean, you can only read so many stories about like horny cowboys before you you start craving some weird. True. And I, I was also just pleased that these at least dip a toe into the weird. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one notwithstanding. Um, and it's refreshing to get a little bit of weirdness and a little bit of like this is sexy, but should I think it's sexy? What does that say about me? That's oh what God, what for. have I become? My parents were right. <laughs> Art school ruined me, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Things that I think every day. So um, yeah, that'll about do it. Once again, the this collection is called "The Seductive Creatures of Stone" by Christy Sims and Alara Branwin. It is available on Amazon.com. Copyright 2013. It's older than I thought it would have been. Huh. Um, check it out. I think it's worth the the very meager amount that they ask for it, if only because the second story is pretty good and the third story is fine if you want fat bait. Um, and this is your thing. Wait, fat bait? Yeah. What's fat bait? Fat. Oh, fat bait. These are fat bait. No. That's an entirely different genre that we'll have to get around to and be offended by at some point. Yeah, we haven't really tackled like a BBW. A BBW. I will say that all the BBW branded things that I've had to deal with in the erotica workplace were really disappointing in that the the big women were not actually big women. Yeah, no, we've seen that a couple of times in our stories. Like, oh, I'm a big, beautiful woman, but it's only because I have really big boobs and a really big butt and I've got an hourglass figure. Like, I know. Like, let's have, like, an actual big woman get her, her rocks off. Yeah, I don't... I mean, this is not the most, like, perfectly feminist thing that I've ever said on this program or otherwise, but, like... Christina, it, it doesn't count when she looks like Christina Hendricks, like, yeah. who is uh, a gorgeous queen, but, um... It doesn't, yeah, it's, you're not being cutting edge when you're, yeah, when like, your allegedly fat heroine is, conforms to conventional standards of, like, proportion. Yeah, you don't get to fucking pat yourself on the back, I guess is what I'm saying. Right. Um, but that's a rant for an entirely different episode. Uh, quick update. Uh, Rachel and I watched the first two episodes of Full Metal Alchemist, like we said we were going to do on the show. I really dug it. I hope that we continue watching it. I, um, am trying to procure it right now, but Amazon won't fucking sell it to me. It's not even available to buy. That's surprising, given that it's, like, the most popular anime ever. I think that the publisher, there's a second version of Full Metal Alchemist, um, which is basically, like, a retelling that diverges, I think, 15 episodes in mm-hmm. um, and that's the the one that they want you to buy uh, more than the first one so the, they just kind of scrubbed the first one from existence but I think it's better and we're going to watch that one I'll get god it, damn it I will get it on the internet well, I'll defer to your expertise on that uh, anything that you want to recommend this week yes I recommend an album that I've been pumping today by the band or actually just as a single person called US Girls uh, the album's called A Poem Unlimited. It is a sort of menacing, political, disco-tinged album. It is so rad. It is groovy. Listen to it. Sounds neat. I think that's kind of it for recommendations. Actually, I've been really enjoying The Adventure Zone. I know everybody in the world has already like enjoyed The Adventure Zone, except for myself and Trevor. I'm six episodes in. I'm on about episode 13. It's hilarious. It's real good. I'm always here to recommend a McElroy brother uh, vehicle. Yeah, my uh, my boyfriend recommends Sawbones as well. Oh, I listen to a couple Sawbones, yeah. Um, I've never listened to any of it other than like clips on YouTube. It's but solid. I, I gather that Sydney is very charming. She is. Of course she is. Um... I'll be the the big old nerd. This, I mean, you recommended the Adventure Zone. I, I don't feel as bad. Yeah. Um, I started watching an anime called Kokoku on Amazon. It is about a sort of um, family of losers and burnouts, save for like two the 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 mother and the daughter. So it's our D and D group. Basically. Um, it's a family of losers and burnouts, save for like the mother and the daughter who are kind of like having to like pick up everyone else's slack. 
um, who, after one of the family members or two of the family members are kidnapped, uh, it is revealed that this family can like stop time and move in the in the world while it's in stasis. Mm-hmm. Um, and just as this is revealed, it's also revealed that there is a uh, cult that is trying to like hunt them down and kill them all. Yeah, um, that can also move through the world while it's stopped. So. It's a pretty effective little uh, horror show. Um, very, very, very effective sort of um, tone and imagery. I've only watched the first three episodes, so it might suck later on, but I'm really enjoying it right now. I also played a game that is uh, free and that you should definitely check out um, called Doki Doki Literature Club. Ooh. And it, um, it styles itself at first, like the first probably two and a half hours, it's like the most stereotypical um, bullshit dating sim. Like you're an average boy who joins a school club full of beautiful girls. Um, it, and it, it starts like that. But at the very the very first time you turn on the game, the very first thing it shows, um, it gives you a content warning. Um, do not play if you're under the age, I think, 15, contains highly disturbing imagery. Ooh. And it it pulls the rug out from under you in some really fascinating ways. Um, it's just, it's, I don't want to spoil anything else, but it is um, one of the better horror games that I've played this year. How do I access this? Uh, it is free on Steam, and I think it's also on Itch.io, which is itch.io. Do I need a PC to play this? You do, but it's it's False. literally just images and sound. There's not any game. Like, you just make choices. So, um, it could be played on a low-grade smartphone. It requires almost nothing. Okay. Tell um, me in. Yeah, so I really liked that. I'd highly recommend it. Um, anything else that you want to touch on while we're here? While we have this captive audience? No, I don't think so. I usually have some opinions to throw out, but not today. You want to go see Black Panther this weekend? Yes, I do. Okay. Um, we will talk about that off the air because I still haven't seen it yet and everyone loves it and I'm sure I'm going to it. Love it looks too. beautiful. Everyone in that cast is beautiful. And, and I found looks... out that Michael B. Jordan is a tremendous weeb today, which is makes he? me very happy. <laughs> and I've seen the comparison pictures of his armor in that movie to Vegeta from Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. Their armor is styled very similar and it makes me smile. All right. Well, that'll be it for us this week. Um, once again, we thank you so much for joining us. If you have recommendations, requests, feedback, um, abuse to hurl, uh, you can do all of that at austinsmutcast at gmail.com. If you have corrections also about uh, either Catholic tradition or gargoyle lore or the pronunciation of uh, Gaelic quotes, if you can even figure out what we were trying to say. (laughs) Yeah, send all of that too. We'd love to hear from you. We have a Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash smutcast. Check that out too. Uh, we also have a Facebook page, which is um, the Smutcast, and yeah. a Twitter account that we never use. That's true. Maybe one day we'll, uh, we being, I think that was my duty to update that. Yeah. Sure didn't do it. <laughs> um, let me revisit that and start pulling my weight in this operation. Sounds good. All right. Well, once again, my name is Trevor. My name is Rachel. Uh, we love you, and we hope that you stay throbbing. Throb forever, even if your dick is made of stone. Huh? <laughs>